0: In this week and next week, probably everyone will have a, at least a moment where you'll remember there's something to do with a baby in a manger and that's Jesus in Australia. Tonight I want to talk about what the church says about Jesus, who he is and uh, what are we celebrating at Christmas. Because Christians, and when I say the church, I don't mean one heart, I mean the, all the Christian churches throughout the whole world and throughout all of history. What does the church think about Jesus? Because Christians have a very specific idea about who Jesus is and not who he is, who he isn't. We believe that he is God. He was born a man, but he was fully God. Now it's weird to me that most religions will have something to say about Jesus. I find that really odd. Uh, If you're a whole other religion and have nothing to do with Jesus, then why would you even talk about him? But um, even uh, religions that have got nothing to do with the Bible, Buddhism, Taoism, um, Hare Krishna, will have something to say about Jesus and they try and claim him as somehow their, their own. I read a Hare Krishna book and they were saying, Krishna, well that sounds like Christ. And so it's kind of the same deal. But that's not what we believe about Jesus. I don't mean to put any other religions down. I just want to talk about a few other ways that people think about Jesus and how they're not what Christians believe and what we're celebrating at Christmas because we believe that Jesus being born is God with us. So, for instance, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was a man, perfect man, but just a man. But also, that he used to be the Archangel Michael, a special angel called Michael, and that he became the Messiah at his baptism. Mormons or Latter-day Saints believe that Jesus was a man, he was just born at that moment in history, uh, and that he inherited divinity, he became God, he somehow inherited being God, and that if we follow Jesus, we will become gods too. So they believe he's a little G God. Islam think that Jesus was a prophet, a really special one, that it, he was pointing towards Muhammad. They actually say that Jesus was sinless and Muhammad did sin, but somehow Jesus is just pointing towards Muhammad, who was a more special prophet. So the Christian church doesn't believe any of these things. The Christian church believes that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And I went absolutely overboard this week as I was trying to... Oh, just kept coming to mind all these scriptures from the Bible that, that just show us this so clearly. And I had them crammed, and I had like 25 pages. And, and then I was like, it's the evening service all the kids are in. I'm, it's, I'm probably going to shorten it a little bit. So I made a handout. Uh, so I won't go through all of the scriptures... But soon, when we play a video, I'll have the welcome team pass some handouts. I made like 65, so sort of one per family, or if you're interested. um, Just the ones off the top of my head, there's bazillions more, but they point to why we believe that Jesus is God. And some of them are astounding, they're so clear. Just in a nutshell, God's made a really big deal throughout history that he is just the one God and you can't worship any other gods. He says, I'm a jealous God, don't put any gods before me. And that doesn't mean it in a bad way. I'm a jealous wife. Don't my husband did not put any other woman before me. That's protecting my marriage because I love him and he loves me. So God doesn't mean that in a bad, jealous sense. He's a jealous God, meaning like there's a special relationship here. You can't put any other gods before me. And so if Jesus were a prophet a holy man, he would never accept people worshipping him. But what do we find right there in the Christmas account? Wise men came from afar bringing gifts and they worshipped him as a baby. When Jesus walked on the water and then he got in the boat, they knelt down and they said they worshipped him. When Jesus was risen from the dead, the women come looking for him at the tomb and they find him alive, resurrected, and it says they worshipped him. Thomas, who we call Doubting Thomas, poor Thomas, he said, I won't believe in Jesus unless I see him. He's risen, see him with my own hands and and touch his wounds with my own hands and see him with my own eyes. And and Jesus appears to him alive and, and he touches the wounds in his hands and he falls on his knees and he says, my Lord and my God. This isn't hundreds of years later after Jesus has left. This is right there. The Christian church has always believed right there, while Jesus was still walking among him, that Jesus is God, that He's not a God, he's God God, he's the God. And so that's even more astounding that we also believe that God became a man. There's some people throughout the ages and some religions that would then say, okay, he was God, but he just kind of dressed up as a man, like he put flesh on, like we put clothes on. And so when he died on the cross, they said his kind of clothes died, but who he was stayed alive the whole time. If that, that doesn't make any sense in in Christianity, none at all. Jesus was genuinely a human. What we remember at Christmas, he was born in the normal way that all babies are born. He, grew, and he rode, you know, grew up in a normal human rate. He suffered all the same weaknesses that we do. He got hot and tired and sweaty and he was thirsty and he ate and he drank and he went to sleep at night and sometimes he had sleepless nights. He lived completely fully as a human. He suffered all the same human relationship weaknesses that we do as well. One of his best and closest friends betrayed him. When Jesus was angry, when people were mean to the poor, and he was sad and he grieved when his friend died and he cried, he was genuinely human. And his weakness of humanity culminated at the cross when he genuinely died. Just like each of us one day will die. Whoa, that's a good Christmas message, isn't it? Where have we gone? Where are we going with this? But, you know, that's what we all face. And we don't have a solution for that outside of Jesus. And Jesus came fully as a man. So we would know that he is approachable and he is he's touchable and he's tangible and we can reach him. He's reachable. The Bible in Hebrews 4.15, it says that, the line before that, 4.15, we do not have a high priest unable to empathize with our weakness like there's some sort of God far up in the clouds who can't understand how hard it is to be human. But we have this high priest who understands our weaknesses. He faced all the same testings that we do, and yet without sin. He came to show us his approachable. He desired such an intimate relationship with you and I. He took on being the nature of a man to show us that he's Emmanuel. He's with us. You're not on your own. He's with us. So that we believe God is Jesus is fully God and fully human. I'm going to get the welcome team to hand out those two pages, two-page flyers, just with the ones on the top of my head. I didn't even go into all the symbolism in John where Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I didn't even go into that, just the very obvious ones I thought of. And while those um, handouts are being passed around or you're passing them along, I'm just going to show a quick video clip. So we'll have the lights down a little bit. And on this clip, you'll see some gorgeous little kiwis. And they are showing us the Christmas story.
1: Mary was really scared when the angel came to her. There was one main angel called Gabriel. He was just a boy angel. She had wings and she was all white. The angel said, You're gonna have a special baby. And it was God's son. She was quite excited a bit scared and she was like oh my gosh I'm going to have the son of God and then she was like I can't I'm not married and stuff Joseph he was a builder Mary told Joseph that she was having a baby called Jesus and it was God's son and he's like what then Joseph saw the angel in a dream I think Joseph was really scared and they went to be him On a donkey? It would be quite hot. She had a baby in her tummy and she would have been really heavy. She <laughs> said, Can we stop anywhere with these houses? They had to try and find somewhere for Mary to have the baby. They went around a whole neighbourhood. Everyone said no in an angry voice because it was the middle of the night. The last innkeeper. He said, "Yeah, there's a barn type thing around the back." They had to go to a barn and have their baby. It had sheep. It was like all hay and animal poop and sheep and things. baby Jesus in one of those troughs. They call the baby Jesus and they loved him. That's
0: it. Go on, you can applaud. Good work, New Zealand. Isn't that sweet? So we sang this song this evening that Bethany said, for the joy of the world, he has come. And that's why Jesus said he came. I came that your joy will ask in my name that my, your joy might be complete, uh, not to bring judgment, but joy. And that joy is the hope that we find in Jesus, the peace of being forgiven, the promise that we have that death is done away with once and for all, the joy of knowing the God who created us, not as a distant, shadowy, vague figure, but intimately that I can say, I am a child of God and God, you are my father and you hear me when I cry out to you. The joy of knowing that all men, women and children are now uh, you know, intrinsically valuable to God. Uh, No matter whether we are successful or rich or poor or disabled or refugees or from what country or what culture or what gender, none of that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus. That's our joy. So in Christmas, we see that God came as a person, not out of the sky threw down a book of rules, Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship that we have with this person. Jesus came as a person that we could walk with, that we could know, that we could speak with, that we could hear, that we could live our lives with, that we could grow to love and that know that we are loved by him. He's a person. He came for the joy of the world, not the judgment. And uh, it's about a relationship, not a religion. Over this year... I don't know if you noticed, but being a Christian, I, I feel like there were certain voices in the media that were trying to portray Christianity as old and irrelevant and something that made you cold-hearted and unloving, when in fact, it's the exact opposite that is the reality Because it's only in Jesus, it's only in the way that Jesus taught, only in the way that Jesus thought that we value each human life. It's only because of the way that Jesus spoke about humanity that we can know what love is at all. So in Jesus we know that we have been created for a purpose and a destiny. We're not made for a kind of round and round and round life. We just go to the same dead-end job and have the same dead-end relationships and do the same dreary dead-end life until it ends. That's not the life that God has for us. And actually, a life like that, I thought I had a scripture up there. A life like that, we believe that that's the devil's doing. Because Je- Jesus said, "Now yeah, the devil, the thief, comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Not a life of luxury. Sorry. We only need to look to the manger to know that, don't we? Not a life of ease and luxury, but a life that is full of rich." healthy, life-giving, loving relationships, uh, purposeful, meaningful work that makes us spring out of bed in the morning to go and do, and, and a heart and a spirit that's filled with hope for good things to come, no matter what circumstances come against us, always more good on the horizon. That's the picture of a life following Jesus and, and living in Jesus. And we believe that without Jesus, there's really no substance to life and life really quickly becomes just about the outer things or the physical things, the things that are on the outside and it's quite hard for us to see this because we've benefited in this country from being under Christian thought for for so long that when we think about You know the the way of thinking. We just think it's our way of thinking. We think, yeah, of course, every person's got value, even when they're born, just because they can't contribute financially. Of course, they've got value. We think those are our thoughts, when actually they've only been given to us by Jesus. And uh, a good example of this to do with Christian is to, to Christmas is to look at other countries and see how they celebrate christmas and i'm going to use japan as an example and i'm in no way putting japan down i'm just saying look at how they're celebrating christmas compared to what the church says christmas is about because japan is are not a uh, christian country they only have about one percent of the population who are christian and they've only just started to celebrate uh, christmas since after the world war ii So, it's really new in their country and they don't have anything to do with Jesus. So, we can see a celebration of Christmas without Jesus and what that looks like. It's quite different uh, because basically without Jesus, they just took the commercial aspects of Christmas. And so, they have Christmas lights and Christmas trees and Santa, who after an exceptionally good marketing campaign turns out to be the main supporter of KFC (laughs) true isn't it Chica KFC is the traditional Christmas dinner and there's Colonel Sanders standing in for Santa Uh, Christmas trees may not always look like Christmas trees Um, so Coca-Cola gave us the red and white outfit and in Japan Santa says hey let's get KFC and that's called a traditional dinner now. I and mean, then there is also the focus on giving gifts, but it's a bit more, I think, like our Valentine's Day. So it's a bit more sort of couple-focused, which can actually lead people who are single to feel uh, isolated and lonely. So without Jesus, if you take out the Christian aspects, it's, and it's also not a day off, obviously. So just the commercial aspects is... It's just how to decorate and what to eat and, uh, and, and just those outer things. And it'll be called a tradition as time goes on, but it's not based on anything really. It's based on just commercialism and a really good advertising campaign about Kentucky Christmas. It's actions dressed up as a meaningful tradition, but not based on the meaning that the church says. And so we can have lives that end up like a Japanese Christmas where we take the outer aspects of life, what it looks like, uh, and uh, we call it tradition, but it may not be based on any real substance. The Bible tells us in Romans 14, 17, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not about the outward stuff. It's about the peace inside of our hearts. And we can end up with a life, a feeling of like real anticlimax, can't we? Like, well, I thought there would be peace and joy doing this stuff, and there's not. You know, I got the house and the car and the job and the husband or the wife and I thought that I would feel satisfied but I don't. Or I did all the parties and I had all the friends and I, and I and did all the fun stuff and I thought there would be joy there or peace and there isn't. We can have that sense of anticlimax like where did, what, where, what happened? Wasn't there meant to be something there? And that is not the life that God has for us. God did not make this amazing planet and in an astounding universe and you so wonderfully and complexly and fearfully made for you to live a dud life, an empty, vacant, purposeless, round and round and round the treadmill kind of life. God wants to give you a life of purpose and destiny. So joy-filled that the angels fill the sky of it. All through the Old Testament, uh, the people looked forward to this promise of Jesus coming um, with prophecies and sort of backward echoes, if you like, of, like, this is what God's going to do. This is how God's going to save us and looking forward to that promise of Jesus. And I just want to read you one. This is by a man named Isaiah, somewhere like six or seven hundred years before Jesus was born, uh, It's uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 to 7. There will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in the land of deep darkness For them, a light will shine. God, you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will feel joy. They will rejoice before you like people rejoice at the harvest or like warriors dividing the plunder because you will break the yoke of their slavery and the heavy burden from their shoulders. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war, they'll all be burned they'll be fuel for the fire because to us, a child is born, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will rule with fairness and justice from his throne for all eternity, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So it's God's passionate commitment to the world that God himself would be born to us to break that burden of sin or those things we can't break ourselves, that empty life. And that's why we sing this song, Now the darkest of ages is done, our saviour has come. That night, the first Christmas Eve, when Jesus was born, that was the last night. The night before Jesus was born was the last night that the world was alone, that the world was in confusion about who God is and who we are and why are we here and how should we live. When Jesus was born, all of that changed. He is the one who brings light to our darkness, our wonderful counsellor and mighty God. And that invitation to live life God's way, to live the better way, to live the best way, to live a peace-filled, joy-filled way is open to everyone. The whole world, not the special, not a particular race, the whole world, not for what you've done, the whole world. So the church this week leading up to Christmas, the church around the world makes a proclamation as she does throughout all of the ages. And it's not keep Christ in Christmas, take, don't put X and anything like that. It's not just that. It's not as small as that. It's not even remember Jesus, don't have an empty Christmas. It's don't have an empty life. The church proclaims don't have an empty life. Jesus left the tomb empty and we're not to live with an empty life, but a joy-filled life, a purpose-filled life, a rich and healthy relationship-filled life. More than don't have an empty Christmas or a great Christmas, have a great life and not an empty life, as we believe that Jesus is God and just like us. Fully human. Let's just close by praying together. Lord Jesus, we have looked for joy and peace in this world, in things in busyness, in work, in relationships, and in experiences. And it's just not there. We just can't find it. It's temporary. And now as we remember Christmas, we see that you, God, couldn't wait any longer for us to come to you. That you came to us as a person person who felt all the same things that we feel, the weakness that we experience, the pain that we experience, to show us that you love us and to show us that there is a good way to live. Jesus, we want this way of life. We want to live this purpose-filled, joy-filled, peace-filled life. No more going around in circles, in meaningless relationships, in meaningless activity, empty days. We want to follow you in your way of living. So Jesus, I ha- ask you to help us to pray. Help us as we spend time learning about who you are, when we read your Bible, when we spend time together as church. Help us to know you more and to get closer and closer to you. That we just leave behind our empty pursuits and we run after your purpose-filled life. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to us. That invitation is open to all. That our darkest of days are done. That Jesus, you're our saviour, you've come to us. We turn our hearts to you, Lord. Amen. So I just want to encourage you this week not to get bogged down in the pressure or the trappings of the food and the presents and the decorations, but to seek God and seek that peace and that joy that he wants to give you in your hearts. Thank you.